Good morning, sanctuary. Christ is risen. Today's lectionary texts include a number of really beautiful passages about new birth, new creation, resurrection. And at the center of these texts is this person, Doubting Thomas. You know, it's hard to imagine those first moments and those first days after the resurrection. Jesus seems to be popping up in all kinds of places as a gardener or on the road or on a seashore cooking fish. And here in John's gospel, we find Jesus's disciples, those people who were closest to Jesus. We find them behind these locked doors. Even after the resurrection, after Jesus has appeared to them, they're still trying to figure out what all of this means. What does this mean for the future? What does this mean for the world? And it's not entirely unlike these strange, unusual days in which we find ourselves now. I think it's fair to say that most of us have had some kind of experience with God. We've had some kind of sense of God's presence in our lives, some kind of activity, some kind of movement. But these days we find ourselves more often than not behind locked doors. We're hidden away, we're tucked inside of our homes. We're not sure what the future looks like. There's lots of uncertainty going around. So our days here in these first days and weeks of the Easter season, they're not entirely unlike those of the disciples. There isn't much rejoicing the world doesn't feel new. If anything, the world seems harsher and a little less forgiving. Some of us may even find ourselves identifying more and more with this person of Doubting Thomas. You know, it's really easy to be critical of Doubting Thomas, as if doubt is something that we should be ashamed of. But the reality is, Thomas's doubting actually helps make our faith possible. St. Gregory the Great said this of Doubting Thomas, the disbelief of Thomas has done more for our faith than the faith of the other disciples. As he touches Christ and is won over to belief, every doubt is cast aside and our faith is strengthened. So the disciple who doubted then felt Christ's wounds becomes a witness to the reality of the resurrection. Thomas is the one who needs to see for himself, feel for himself the eyes and the hands and the feet of Jesus in order to believe. And when Christ appears, he doesn't shame him or reprimand him or undercut him in any way. He simply says to him, if you need to see, here I am. If you need to feel, go ahead place your hand in my side. There is no condemnation for his doubt. But Jesus does say there is something better than seeing, something that's only possible in the absence of Jesus. You know, in these days when we can't see each other like we would like to see each other or be with each other in the ways that we'd like to be with each other, it's forced us to come up with some creative ways for us to connect. My daughter, Nora, she is six years old 
And she has taken on this newfound love for backgammon, of all things. And one of the things that has started happening in our house is, if not every day, at least every other day, she FaceTimes my dad, her poppy, and over FaceTime, they play a game of backgammon. Now, this has gotten a little out of hand. They've started to keep track of who has won how many games, and there are even trophies involved in the form of a golden egg. And the rule is, if you win, you get to display your golden egg on your windowsill. And if you don't win, if you lose the game, you have to put your egg in the closet. I know. But the point is, there's been this whole new tradition, this whole new thing that has happened as a result of some of the limitations of seeing each other. You know, if next week we could get on an airplane and we could fly to Indiana and we could see her poppy, this whole beautiful tradition of this backgammon tournament would never have existed. So in some ways, the absence of Jesus works that way in our lives. We would love to put Jesus in the room, but he says to Thomas, there's something better than me being in the room with you. So the only problem, the only real issue with Thomas's experience, it isn't his doubting, but that what he desires is just to make Jesus another presence in the room. Jesus says to Thomas that you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. All our lives we've heard seeing is believing, but what we really mean is that seeing is knowing and knowing is different than belief. Knowing is different than faith. So what Jesus is saying is there is a kind of knowing that is rooted in certainty, but what we are called to, what you and I are called to, is the kind of believing that is rooted in faith. Jesus doesn't want to just be another presence in the room. Jesus wants to be closer to you than that. In Rowan Williams' words, God is not just another object in the universe, like a sock under your bed that you haven't discovered yet. God is not a being. God is the source of all being. Again, Thomas wants to put Jesus in the room, but Jesus wanted him to understand that he is the room. He is the space in which all of life happens. Jesus wanted him to see that what is actually best for Thomas is not for him to be with Christ, but to be in Christ, which is another thing entirely. For him to be caught up in the reality that is God's reality, the resurrection life that's made possible for you and for me. So just for a moment, I want us to imagine what this exchange might have looked like. Again, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He appears to all but one of the disciples, and now they're all together again. Maybe in this moment when they're all together, they're collaborating and corroborating all of their stories of having seen this risen Jesus. Mary tells them she saw him as a gardener. Two of them say they saw him on the road, but they didn't recognize him until he broke bread and gave thanks with them. 
And in the midst of their conversations and their confusion, in the midst of their fear, in the midst of Thomas's doubt, Christ shows up in the middle of them. And remember what he says, peace. Peace is the first word Jesus speaks when he shows up to see Thomas. And why is that? I think this is because Jesus understands we are all converting. We are all transitioning from what we thought we've known to what Jesus wants us to know. And you don't have to be afraid of that process. Maybe in the middle of these strange, unusual days that we've found ourselves in, overcome by doubt or overcome by uncertainty, what you need to hear today is that that's okay. The Lutheran theologian Paul Tillich says, doubt is not the opposite of faith. It is one element of faith. But when you feel like you're losing touch with something that was once precious to you, that thing that you were so certain about, when you feel like your expectations or your dreams have been crushed, it's easy to be afraid that what you've lost isn't just that dream and it isn't just that expectation, but faith itself. I want you to hear that you have not lost faith. You are being drawn deeper into the mystery that is the resurrection life in Jesus. That moment when you feel like doubt and questions are gnawing at you, you feel like you've lost something that you shouldn't have lost, there is nothing to fear. Christ is in your life, not because of your belief and your certainty. Christ is in your life because that is who he is. And there is nothing that you're going to do or question or let go of that's going to keep Christ from being that way in your life. To be sure, if we resist it, that will play out in one way. And if we yield to it, if we accept it, that will play out in another. But what none of us are capable of is making Jesus less than who he is. So be at peace. Whoever you are, wherever you are, be at peace. Because underneath all of the evidence that points to our reality looking more like hell rather than heaven, underneath that thing that feels like the real thing is actually the realest thing. Resurrection life. The God who holds us in being and gave us being the God in whom we can trust and the God in whom we can rest. And we can trust that whoever and whatever we've imagined God to be, God is better than that. This is the beauty of Christian community, that you can rest knowing that when it feels like your faith is gone, there are others who can have faith for you. We all need each other in this way. There's this story in Mark 9 when Jesus is approached by this man whose son has been possessed by this evil spirit. And Jesus looks at him and says, do you believe? And the man just looks back at Jesus and he says, I believe, help me in my unbelief. 
This becomes one of the ancient prayers of the church. God, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. So with that in mind, as we do every week, let's join our hearts and our voices with communities of faith around the world in proclaiming and confessing what it is that we believe. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen.